Welcome to the DLR Library Podcast, Need to Read, recommended reads from those in the know. Hello, my name is Hayley and I'm here with Deanna, my colleague from DLR Libraries. Hi Deanna. Hi. Thank you for talking with me today. That's no problem. So maybe just before we start on, on our book recommendations, you can just maybe tell me a little bit about your reading history, what you like to read. Hmm. Uh, there's very little I don't like to read. I do read mostly fiction. Um, so basically everything from classics to genre fiction to literary fiction um, to lighter stuff, there's very little I don't like to read. Um, and I think it's definitely dependent on what you feel like reading. And I don't believe in there being anything bad or not good for you to read. Um, I'm definitely a believer in reading just as much light stuff as heavy stuff. Great. What are you reading at the moment? Um, at the moment, I'm running a teen book and film club, so I've been reading a lot of young adult books. Uh, at the moment, I'm making my way through The Boy in the Striped Pajamas for the second time. And it's very short, but it's a very impactful read, so it's it's actually more enjoyable the second time, I think. And for today, so what what could you tell me a little bit about the genre that you're going to be recommending? Okay, so I've chosen the umbrella term speculative fiction because we're going to be discussing what a lot of people would classify as science fiction, but it isn't really science fiction. So speculative fiction kind of um, covers science fiction, also fantasy, uh, a little bit of magical realism and horror. It's basically the idea that you can explore more within the realm of fiction if you decide to pursue a fantastical route. Um, so it has a lot of stuff like um, exploring what it means to be human, um, how societies should function. Um, it toys with uh, right and wrong a lot, uh, lots of moral gray areas. So it's an exciting genre, or it's not really one genre. It's an exciting uh, area to read in. Yeah, so sort of existential as well. And not, we were saying earlier that sci-fi can scare people off when you say it like that yeah but yeah it, when you say science fiction people immediately think labs or space which, they're really human <laughs> stories yeah, yeah yeah exactly so yeah it, it's all about what it means to be human I think is the underpinning for me uh, about speculative fiction um what makes you scared what makes you happy what's right what's wrong um and all that interesting sticky stuff how how would you act yeah. In a certain situation. Exactly. exactly. Um, and how different people act, I suppose. So the first book you're going to talk about is actually a trilogy um, by the author Jeff Vandermeer. Um, so it's, maybe you could t tell me a little bit about why you chose that and what it's about. Um, so I first discovered this on Netflix, actually. Um, and after I saw the film... I knew there was a book, so immediately went for the book. And really, the film is great, but the book is just very interesting. It's about this um, incident in a certain part of... I think it's sort of supposed to be a fictional in America. Um, there's a zone that starts behaving very strangely um, next to this testing facility. And people disappear inside this zone, and nature sort of acts very strangely. Eventually, there's only one entrance into this mysterious zone, um, and you have to go through a tunnel for it. So this shadowy government agency uh, sort of governed this zone, and they send expedition teams in and out, 
And the story focuses on this one female scientist whose husband is one of the people who go in. And he's the 11th or 12th team to go in. He's part of the 11th or 12th team to go in. And he disappears. So the story takes place about a year after his disappearance. And um, he suddenly reappears. So it sort of deals with her grief, but also um, how she feels about him reappearing. And then ultimately, as he gets sicker, mysteriously, her decision to go into the zone herself, being um, a biologist. So it's just, it's about this sort of weird science fiction premise, but then also explores um, ultimately what the natural world means to us um, as things evolve in this zone at a weird rate and people who enter are infected by whatever it is that happens inside, whatever is existing. And so it's a mystery, but it's also a thriller. Um, there's also a team dynamic with herself and the other members of her team, um, which are all female, which is also interesting in itself. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's this yarn um, and it really takes unexpected twists and turns and with all that it explores, um, it's a great read. Uh, over the three books. There's yeah. Annihilation, Acceptance, and Authority. Uh, annihilation, Authority, and Acceptance. Yeah, yes. Annihilation, I'd say authority. Acceptance would be at the acceptance. end of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's well, right. Yeah. Um, I've, I've read that it was called Eco Sci-Fi, so it's quite slow-moving yeah. Eco Sci-Fi, yeah. which is one way. Um, Jeff is kind of, he's a, an author that belongs to the the new weird writers. So exactly. he, he did write the, the weird and the new weird with his wife. I think there was a collection of stories. Oh, great. Um, so he this is his sort of breakthrough. Yeah, this is the one that... Um, I tried to read one of his other books and I found it a little bit too obscure for me. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. I, I'm not sure. Is um, one called Born? I haven't yeah, said it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the one. Um, but this was really great, I thought, because of... I mean, with everything that's happening with climate change too, this question of man versus nature and also what it takes to unpick our nature and whether or not we accept we're part of the animal kingdom was also interesting to me. Like the, the zone in question in the book is quite brutal and it really puts this team through the paces um, and there are moments where they kind of turn on each other while their environment just erodes at them step by step um, and kind of redefines what they are as animals as well as people. So it's sort of transcendentalist in that nature is so important. Um, and I have a really nice quote about that, which I think sort of ties in with revering to nature. It's by um, and, uh, Alain de Batouin. So sure. He has different um, things he thinks we should do. So... The first one is accept. We are a miraculous, unlikely, fragile species in a mysteriously oxygenated corner of the universe. We have never been and never will be complete masters of our circumstances. We remain invariably at the mercy of awesome, uncontrollable forces. And he says to concede. Our impotence before events, the powerless, powerlessness of our mighty brains, the humbling inflicted on us by nature our vulnerability to the absurdities of microbial life. And then he says, let go of ideals of perfection, of increased lives and flawless trajectories. We should expect regularly to be taken wholly by surprise. And then 
no persecution. But none of, it, none of it was done with us in mind. We have not been singled out. We may be victims. We were never targets. We come from a species that in only a few hundred thousand years reached a dazzling understandance, or sorry, understanding of existence and learned to think of itself as in charge. We may need to accept the need to feel in the late hours a little bit scared and for a time very, very small. Mm. And that's how I feel <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's pretty spot on. But I think that's, uh, that's basically what Annihilation is about, that quote for sure. It, it nails it. Um, it's very much about accepting that we're part of this environment and not the rulers of this environment. And if that environment changes, then we are forced to change. And that power um, hierarchy is is definitely just the way it is. And ultimately, we have to accept that. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, it is quite a... Um, a scary, a scary book as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's, even though we're saying nature and yeah, it's, there are nature, monsters in there. Yeah, like really it, it's terrifying the way monsters. he writes it. Yeah. yeah, it's so it's yeah. You could say there are scary moments for sure, but yeah, in the it's the second, kind of the unknown, like you don't know definitely. what's happening. Yeah, um, the second book is written from the point of view of one of the uh, higher up staff members of this government agency looking after the zone, and I think that's really interesting because you get another perspective again. Um, and he's got some family issues, um, so that kind of is fed into the story, um, so you get to explore a very human perspective on the outside of this problem, so it's, yeah. Okay, so uh, maybe we'll move on to the next book, so maybe, um, can you tell me what you chose and why? Sure, um, well, I guess it's kind of a natural segue in a way, um, because it does deal with how we are as a species, I guess, um, Handmaid's Tale. Um, a lot of people have seen the show. Uh, I think the book is more than well worth a read. Margaret Atwood, this isn't a revelation, is an amazing writer. Um, she also uh, used real-life events um, to structure this, um, I guess you could call it dystopia. So everything in the book happened at some point in our history. There's nothing that she made up from scratch here. Um, Handmaid's Tale uh, is about a society where we haven't been able to procreate. Um, fertility levels have dropped um, drastically. So as a, an extremist government comes into power um, and seizes control more or less overnight, um, every female um, in the human race in this country, which is modeled on America, it's called Gilead, is seized um, and torn from their families um, to become wives for wealthier uh, men uh, of standing in in this society, um, so it's really about the well. It's it focuses on on one woman in particular. Um, these women's names are taken, um, and what they do is they take the the man that she's given to. Um, they take his name and they put of in front of it. So the main character is called Offred of Fred is is what that means, um, and it's really about her struggle. Uh, focuses mainly on her. And it just shows us this glimpse of this horrifying alternative society where um, all you are, if you're female, is um, someone who can procreate. Um, the women who are wealthier are allowed to be wives to their wealthier husbands, but as there are only so many women who can have babies, um, they have handmaids. So that's really what the story is about. It's, 
it's a sort of this feverish nightmare, but told through the point of view of this woman, Offred. And um, the way it's told is interesting too, because the idea is that there are these diaries that are found in an attic and they're being discussed. It's sort of the equivalent of United Nations, this giant government agency meeting. Um, and they're discussing her records. And uh, yeah, yeah, so you're reading somebody's diary. Um, there is an element of Anne Frank to it too, um, because you know, her, her diary is the other famous diary um, that sees us through this weird, almost dystopian time in our own history where there was a certain section of society um, who was persecuted. So it does have kind of interesting overtones, but it's really worth reading. Um, it's not an easy read, and even the main character is a little bit unlikable in the traditional sense. Um, you really feel for her, but she's not warm and cozy. She's not... Um, I, I'd say if you met her, you'd think she was kind of um, overly serious, maybe, or maybe even severe, I don't know. But she's just a very interesting character. Um, I also like the fact that you don't necessarily have to really like her. Um, she's a complex female character, and you don't get that a ton in fiction, if I'm honest. So, yeah, it's it's a classic. I think everybody should read it. My other, my mother read it in high school. It's uh, <laughs> It's been around yeah. for a while. And if you've seen the show but you haven't read the book, it, it's still worth oh, going absolutely. back. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, the book kind of ends where the show ends in season one. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have seen the, the show, I haven't gotten a chance to watch season two of the show, but um, it's both are well worth it. Like the book is amazing. The show is really well made. Uh, well, if the you show haven't isn't had a like a diary style, it. so you no, get that. No, the show the is, yeah. is, is a more traditional, uh, more traditional narrative. So it's, uh, it's just very interesting. It's a great book. And the, of course, the writing itself, the use of language, um, it's, flawless it's really really good writing that's the other thing about it too so on all counts it's worth reading it's not an easy read of course especially if you're a woman <laughs> yeah but it is well worth reading and it does yeah. make you think more yeah. about society and the way it functions so yeah and to put all those things yeah. that happen everywhere in the world together is I think really just shows how horrifying it actually is yeah um definitely lovely yeah. <laughs> and your next choice please my next choice is 1984 by George Orwell. It's another classic. Um, and what can you say about 1984? Just go read it immediately. Um, so much of what's happening to our society right now is in the book, as with Handmaid's Tale, I guess, in some ways. Um, but 1984 is set in this dystopia uh, where, oof, where to start? It's a totalitarian government um, fascist, um, and we are seeing the world from the point of view of someone called Winston Smith. Um, he's essentially kind of this sort of government worker who is sat in his little corner office just trying to get by. Um, in this world, y you don't really have much to hope for in your human life. Uh, love is frowned upon. Um, the TVs watch you, your computer watches you, everything watches you, um, and the government uh, is absolute, really. The power is absolute. Um, there's Big Brother. Uh, that's a term that comes from the book. Um, and Big Brother is the government. And they just, all they want from you is compliance. Uh, and that's really where the story is rooted. Everything that happens to Winston is just really to illustrate this. But of course, he meets um, a woman and he sort of falls in love and he sort of starts to come alive 
and begins questioning, um, unwillingly questioning the way everything is structured and why things are structured. There's also stuff like uh, doublethink. That's a term that comes from this book as well. The idea that you could contradict yourself um, while also saying everything is true. So in this society, wars are waged and then wars are canceled. And not only are they canceled, but the government put forward the idea that the war never happened in the first place. So it's just this weird cycle of um, being a human drone. I guess if you picture an anthill, that's kind of the world of 1984. And it sounds grim, but weirdly, um, after you read the book, you feel, um, I don't know, there's a catharsis, I guess, that comes about through reading uh, about a society that has so much in common with your own, um, but is so different. There's no freedom, I guess. It does make you appreciate your freedom and your ability to think freely. Um, the other thing that was interesting in this book is there's this idea that um, the government is trying to change the way people speak and limit language and cut out words. And the idea being that if you have fewer words, you can't rebel. If you don't have the language, then you can't um, fly your coop, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's just a very, it's a, it's a really great book. And I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I as loved heavy it. As it's it one is. of my favorite books. Yeah. I, I read it when I was a teenager. Yeah. I was bored at home and I asked my dad to recommend a book and it'd been on the shelf for years and I'd never picked it up and then I yeah it's just it stayed with me you never like forget you never the, forget the, the repressive sort of yeah atmosphere in that um and yeah like the, the amount of terms that came out of it as well um yeah. like double thing double thing big brother uh, big brother there's more that I've forgotten but I love that the ministry of truth or the spies yeah. aren't they I think. yeah yeah and then yeah it's it's Ministry for Peace is the Ministry for War. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's all this um, overriding, and I think George Orwell saw a lot of the ways um, things were being run at the time and in general. He spotted a lot of pitfalls that um, we may have slid into yeah. <laughs> as a society, and it's just very interesting, especially with if you look at... Um, the recent scandals with social media and the monitoring and stuff like that, um, you kind of don't notice that you've relinquished certain freedoms until it's too late. Yeah, yeah. and like, <coughs> I guess the Stasi police were kind of... Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they're just visually, like, there's a, their whole sort of aesthetic. Definitely. <laughs> it's, uh, the way they were so sort of regimented with what they did, it kind of feels very similar yeah, to... Yeah, it does. Yeah, the police and... Um, what, well, another book he wrote that I loved was Down and Night in Paris in London. Oh, I haven't read that one. It's really good, and I think it really informs his sort of sense of social justice or social um, equality um, yeah. or lack of it, because he he did live on the streets when he wrote that. It's about living on the streets. Wow. And staying in homeless um, shelters and trying to like get your next loaf of bread and. Um, I think that sort of it's a really good book to read to sort of just see where where his whole where it comes sort of, from. Yeah. yeah. And I guess like Orwellian now is sort of shorthand for it is. For, yeah, for all the scary stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. Orwellian. Yeah, being spied on. The thing that stays most with me um about that book is 
Um, there's a scene towards the end where Winston Smith is questioning why things are the way they are, and there's an official who says something to the effect of absolute power for power's sake and nothing else. And, um, yeah, that's terrifying. The idea mm. that it wouldn't be for the greater good, it wouldn't be for any kind of cause, Yeah. but to have dominion over everybody. So that was, I yeah. found that chilling. Um, I read it on holidays, <laughs> hilariously enough. Um, but I, I think I felt like I had the time and space to sort of really appreciate it because, yeah. um, it's enough of, of its own world where it, it feels like escapism in a certain way, in but a it, way, it's yeah. frighteningly, yeah. <laughs> frightening, frighteningly frightening, frightening. <laughs> I can say that. very scary, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you can't miss it. I think everybody should read it at least once. Absolutely. Um, I might read it again. Five is also another one that I think is unmissable. It's kind of. Yeah. Let's talk about, yeah. T- talk about that. What, who, who who wrote that? Uh, it's Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut. Um, and just to mention it next to 1984, because it deals a little bit with, it's kind of a post-Vietnam War book, but it also has magical realism and traveling in and out of time in a way. Um, and it messes with timelines. But you should definitely check that out. If, if you like 1984, um, it's a different book, completely different book, written during a different time. But I think uh, dovetails with it nicely. Yeah, I've never yeah. read any of his books. It's, Neither have I. It's the only on one the I've read of his, but I keep meaning to read more. Yeah. And maybe we just mention a few books that are kind of similar. Yeah. Um, in yeah. Uh, in this genre of sure. speculative yeah. fiction. Yeah. Um, so speculative fiction uh, is usually reasonably heavy, but if you want something that's a little less heavy, but still very much grounded in interesting stuff. Um, you could try How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe by Charles Yu. It's about Easy a time... Win. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's about a time machine repairman uh, called Charles Yu. Same name as the author. Um, really, it's a pretty wild ride, so I won't ruin it by talking about it too much um there's a depressed cube computer called tammy on board and there is uh, a fake dog i think he's holographic if i remember correctly mm-hmm. and um it's really just him dealing with his relationship with his father the time machine spins out of control and he gets to check out parts of his life um but it's set in the future where everybody has access to time machines which is an interesting premise you can change anything in your life or live a fake version of it um so any mistakes you've made um lots of people throw around the term if only i had a time machine well in this you do have and you can experience what would have happened um yeah so there are all these different realities and he dots in and out but it's about healing and family and yeah what makes us who we are because if you can experience all permutations of your choices have you made any choices? This is the question. The question. Yeah. Interesting. But it's fun and it's it's uh, done in a light way, but it'll you'll have feelings afterwards for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everything Matters by Ron Curry Jr. is a similar one. Um, it's about a guy who's born knowing when the world's going to end. Okay. Um, and it's not a miserable Cassandra-esque sort of story. It's, um, it's very sweet and uh, it has funny moments. It's about his family really. And um, how he lives with the knowledge that everything's going to end um, by a certain age. And yeah. he kind of wants to stop it. Um, I won't spoil anything else, but it's... Okay. It's, well, it's, I mean, that's... A lot of people would live with that themselves. With yeah. And so that's... Of course. Um, like oh, nice another one. Get in Trouble by Kelly Link. 
Um, there are vampire boyfriends. There's a superhero convention. There's a house full of fairy people who only visit during the summer. Um, there are all kinds of really weird, funny, quirky... I would say it's a sort of hipster magical realism. Mm. Um, <laughs> you could imagine lots of Brooklyn types cuddled up on the subway reading, <laughs> Great. reading, uh, reading this one. Um, so also, there's The Road, Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, which I've I've started a couple of times and I I do want to finish and I am enjoying it. I've never gone there, so yeah, uh, it's I I have a sense of it being really sad. I know, yeah, but it's supposed to be great, so yeah. I'll, I'll get there eventually. Um, then a couple, um, kind of more young adult, um, Zed is for Zachariah. Um, that was actually made into a film with Margot Robbie. Um, but it, it wasn't as good as the book, but it, but it's it's sort of a tale of, um, this girl living alone in, in, after a nuclear war of some sort. And she's trapped in this area where she can't go outside of it. And then one day this man comes in in a suit, the protective suit. So he's the first human she's seen in a while. Um, and they, it's about their interactions. But it, the book's actually quite uh, terrifying because <laughs> uh, she doesn't know if, if he's safe. Um, so she's hiding from him. Right. And just the two of them in this this area of land and, and her house and there's like a cave and a cliff. And it's it's um, it's really worth wow. reading though. It's It's... Sounds great. It's good. And then there's also the uh, John Marsden, the Australian author, who wrote Tomorrow When the War Began trilogy. So like Oh, that's right. It's going back a while now, but the books are, are brilliant. They're very, they're like guerrilla fighters, the, these teenagers who go camping in this middle of the bush in Australia and then this unknown army fly overhead at night and in, in, invade the whole of Australia and when they finally return from their camping they, their houses are empty you know it looks like there's been some kind of violence and their families are gone and the whole series is them deciding to hide out because they're all like country kids so they they hide out in the in the bush and they start becoming guerrilla fighters um to sort of try and wow. attack this um, enemy really good books for if you're a teenager they're great um so I would fully recommend them. Yeah, that sounds really good. Mm. If you're, um, if you like zombies too, Warm Bodies Love is zombies. really cute. <laughs> yeah, zombies. <laughs> if you're a, zo- a zombie fa- fan, um, zombie fans uh, should try out Warm Bodies. It's actually very sweet. It's a it's a zombie love story. Um, I won't explain it more, but mm-hmm. it's it's very sweet. Yeah, and yeah. that that's a film as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's a film. Um, so the book's by Isaac Marion, and the film is yeah, the film is very cute also. But the book is um, especially heartwarming, mm. um, heart reanimating, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then maybe we'll like maybe we'll talk about some films that are in this genre as yeah, well because cool. we do have films in the library too. We do. Um, so I, I mean, where do you even start? Speculative fiction, um, like I said, it does, uh, cover science fiction too. So you have, um, just a ton of options. There's Arrival, um, which is really, really interesting. It's recent. It's by the same director as Blade Runner, um, the more recent version of Blade Runner. Um, Dennis Villeneuve, I think is how you pronounce his name. Mm -hmm. I might have got that wrong. But um, it's starring Amy Adams. 
Uh, it only came out a couple of years ago. Uh, it's really worth... It's about what happens if aliens suddenly arrive um, in crafts all around the world and just sit there. They're not harming anybody um, or anything like that. They're just there. So like Passive-aggressive. Yeah, why are they there is the question. And more importantly, what do we do about it? So um, this perspective of the story focuses on... Um, this one response team, um, they send a linguist, which is an interesting, I thought it was one of the most interesting um, aspects of the story. Um, and she's trying to communicate with them um, and they're trying to communicate with her. Um, and what happens is fascinating because their language has a lot to do with time. Um, so mm. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's a different angle. So yeah, different angle. Um, Ex Machina uh, is also pretty unmissable. It's by Alex Garland, the director Alex Garland, also a novelist, um, who wrote, wrote Annihilation Beach. as well. Yeah, yeah, and he directed Annihilation. Um, also wrote The Beach. Uh, Beach and is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It. yeah. Uh, he, it's his first film, which is pretty astounding. It's very um, low budget. But it's, well, not very low budget. It's reasonably low budget. And it's beautifully shot. Um, the Sorry, script which is, is his great. first film? Uh, Ex Machina is his first film that he's directed himself. Oh, right. Yeah, so Annihilation was his second. Um, he also has a film coming out, uh, sorry, a TV series coming out called Devs, which is due to come out, was due to come out sometime in April, I think. Okay. I think it's coming out in April or May. Uh, Ex Machina is about sort of this um, media superstar um, who's, he's kind of like a, a Steve Jobs um, meets Elon Musk. And he has uh, set out this prize. There's a competition with a prize and the prize is to visit him as his super secret compound that he lives on. And um, Donald Gleason plays the man who wins. So we begin the story just as he wins the prize, and it's about him going to visit this um, mysterious tech mogul. Um, and it turns out the tech mogul has a robot, and the robot is very human, and it's only in the testing phase. It's a female robot. And one of the reasons he's invited a prize winner to the house is to help him test the robot to see how human it is. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, interesting things happen and the story unfolds. And again, it's about what it means to be human. Um, it's terrifying as it's, well. There's yeah. Ones, oh, like, it's pretty there's scary. There's an end scene in that that's just yeah, it's haunting. chilling. <laughs> yeah, it is chilling because you. And what I love about it, it's, it does have that thriller aspect to it. So it just keeps you guessing the whole way. Yeah. Um, so I've also got. Let's see. There's just so many options. Um, it's, there's Solaris, which is mm -hmm. a George Clooney movie um, mm -hmm. about a man who has lost his wife, and uh, he's also in space, uh, <laughs> as, as happens. Is she, is she, he yeah. lost her in space? He's in space. No, oh, yeah. he lost her before he went to space. Um, but they've, they're investigating this uh, space anomaly where um, weird things happen uh, to anyone who gets close. And the thing that happens in this particular exploration is his wife just appears on the ship. Is it her? Is it not her? Um, and it's really kind of an exploration of grief and acceptance and all that kind of human stuff. It's really good. Mm. But the, the list is endless. There's um, Midnight Special, indie movie, um, Moon, which is just brilliant. If you haven't seen Moon, Sam Rockwell. I haven't, actually. Yeah, I should definitely check it yeah. out. 
um, he's on the spaceship and he's just performing normal duties. Uh, you're not really sure exactly why he's there, but as the story unfolds, uh, it sort of turns into a thriller, but it's just an amazing one-man show, really. Yeah. It's just really, really good. Um, and there are lots of twists and turns. It's actually directed by David Bowie's son, which is interesting, Duncan Jones. Okay. It was his first film. I think still his best, unfortunately. But it's very good. Um, yeah, there's just... If you're looking for speculative fiction, you're looking at all that kind of thematic stuff um, that just explores humanity in, in the most interesting ways. Just endless amount of choices uh great well i think we have a, a lot to to get reading and watching <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me today that's no problem